0: We meet today in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to verse 19. We're looking at Christ, the fullness of God. In Christ Jesus, we are made full. Specifically, we are looking at the person of Christ. We spoke of the person of Christ in our study of the Song of Solomon. In Colossians, we come in close now. We come in close on the subject and learn the theology of it. This is a very loft, very exalted, and very grand section of the epistle. The subject here is the person of Jesus Christ. We cannot say too much about him. And we will never in this life be able to comprehend him in all of his wonder, and in all of his glory. This section provides an answer to those who would try and deny the deity of Christ Jesus. To understand these verses is to realize how wonderful he really is. Paul is specifically attempting to answer one of the oldest heresies in the church, Gnosticism. Another of the five heresies was Arianism. Arius of Alexandria said that the Lord Jesus Christ was a creature, a created being. And the Council of Nicaea in A.D. 3. 25 answered this heresy saying, The Son is very man of very man and very God of very God. Later on in the history of the church, Sosnus propagated the heresy that Jesus was not God and that mankind did not need a savior from sin. He taught that we were not totally depraved. Today, this is the basis of Unitarianism. And some of the cults, including the Jehovah's Witnesses, they are propagating or advancing the heresy of Arius. You see, they are given here nine marks of identification of Christ, which make him different and superior to any other person who has ever lived. Colossians 1 verse 15 he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Here is the first of the, the marks. He is the image of the invisible God. Image here is acorn. How could he be the image of the invisible God? You cannot take a photograph or an image of that which is invisible. How could he be that? Now John makes this very clear in the prologue to the gospel. In the beginning was the word. Now, that is a beginning that has no beginning. Christ has no beginning. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. John 1 verse 1. And then John says, and the word was made flesh. John 1 verse 14. Now, if you want the Christmas story in John's gospel, that is it. He was born flesh. This is the way that he became the image of the invisible God. How could he be that? Because he is God. If he were not God, he could not have been the image of the invisible God, my friend. Again, that verse tells us he is the firstborn over all creation. The firstborn of all creation. Now, this reveals his relationship to the Father and his position in the Trinity. God is the everlasting Father. The Son is the everlasting Son. His position in the Trinity is that of Son. Firstborn indicates His priority before all creation. His headship of all creation does not mean that He was firstborn, no. We need to understand what the scripture means by the word firstborn here. Nowhere does Scripture teach that Jesus had his beginning at Bethlehem. We are told in the great prophecy of Micah 5 verse 2 that he would be born in Bethlehem, but that he came forth from everlasting. Isaiah 9 verse 6 tells us, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You see here, the child is born, but the son is given. He came out of eternity and took upon himself our humanity. Now, Paul is dealing with one of the philosophies of that day, one of mystery religions. It is called Demuge. And it held that God created a creature just beneath him. You can just keep on going, going down the ladder until finally you come to a creature that created this Universe. These were emanations from God. Gnosticism taught that Jesus was one of these creatures, an emanation from God. Paul is answering that question. He says that Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation. And the Greek word here is uh, prototokos, meaning before all creation. He was not born in creation. He is the one who came down over 2,000 years ago and became flesh. He existed before any creation. That is why John 1 verse 1 to verse 3 tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. God the Father is the everlasting Father, God the Son is the everlasting Son. There never was a time when Christ was begotten. Now there are several places in Scripture where the Lord Jesus is called the firstborn. He is called the firstborn of all creation. He is called the firstborn from the dead. He is called the only begotten. He is called the firstborn from the dead, later even in this chapter verse eighteen. This is what the psalmist spoke of in Psalm 2 verse 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now, Paul explained this idea further in that great sermon that he preached at Antioch of Pisidia in the Galatian country. Paul said that the psalmist meant that Christ was begotten from the dead. We read from Acts chapter 13, verse 32 to 33. And we declare to you, glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. So, when Jesus Christ is called the firstborn of all creation, it is not referring to his birth at Bethlehem. This is no Christmas verse, my friend. It means that he has top priority of position. It has nothing to do with his origin at all. And the psalmist in Psalm 8, 9, verse 27 wrote, Also, I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. This makes it very clear that Christ is as the eternal Son, holds the position of top priority to all creation. In other words, he is the creator. There is no damage here. No series of creatures being created one after another. He himself created all things. Let me mention some other verses of scripture that speak of the person of Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, we read, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself paged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now that doesn't sound very much like he is a mere creature, doesn't it? He is the second person of the Godhead. We also read in Hebrews 1 verse 7 to verse 8. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Now the Lord Jesus is not one of these creatures. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. So my friend, what? We are talking about here is not that the Lord Jesus was born a creature. We are talking about the fact that he is God. When he came into the world, a child was born, but the son was given, and he had come out of eternity. The angel's announcement to Mary was, that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Luke 1 verse 35. Why did he say that? Because that is who he is. He was the son of God before he came into this world. Matthew 16 verse 16. Peter confessed, you are the Christ, son of the living God. So the deity of Christ is affirmed. Now we come now to the next two great statements again concerning the Lord Jesus. Colossians 1 verse 16. For by him all things were created. That are in heaven and that are on the earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Notice here, by him all things were created. This is a third statement concerning his marks as God. By him all things were created. If all things were created by him, that clears up the question of his being a creature or creator. The statement that he is the firstborn of all creation does not mean that he was created, but rather he is the one who did the creating. There are two kinds of creation, the visible and the invisible. And it is very interesting here to note that he mentions different gradations of rank in spiritual intelligences Thrones, dominions, principalities and powers they are gradations in the angelic host Other verses in scripture tell us that there are seraphims and cherubim And also the archangels And then they are just the common everyday vegetable variety of angels In Ephesians we note the fact that our enemy is a spiritual enemy Satan has a spiritual host that rebelled with him So there are different gradations again of ranking among our spiritual enemies too. But he is the one who created all things. Fourthly, it is also wonderful to know that all things were created by him. But there is another truth given to us here. All things were created for him, not just by him, they were also created for him. If you were to go out tonight and look up at the heavens, you would see a number of stars. Have you ever wondered why each star is in its own special position? Why is that star in that part of the heavens? It is in that part of the heavens because that is where Jesus wanted it to be. Not only did he create all things, but they were created for him. Now, one of the most wonderful truths in this connection is that we are told that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a big chunk of real estate, my friend, coming to us someday. Maybe he will turn over a whole star to us. I think we will be very busy in eternity. We will not be earthlings then, but we will be given new bodies, which will be free from gravitation. We will be living in a city called the New Jerusalem. We will be able to travel through God's vast universe. I don't know how much of that universe he is going to turn over to us. But he made it all. He created it out of nothing. And he is going to run it to suit himself. This is his universe. If you have wondered why a certain tree has a certain kind of leaf, it is because that is the way he wanted it. If you have wondered why some people are tall and some are short, it is the way that he has wondered. If you have wondered why people have different skin colors, it is he who determined the way he wanted it. It was he who did everything. We are going to enter into that world someday. There is an inheritance prepared for us. You and I are living down here in tents. Paul calls these bodies of ours that they are just tents. He says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were destroyed, a tabernacle is a tent. This tent will go right back to the ground because the body is to be put into the ground at death. We will have moved out of the tent. He says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 8, Willing rather to be absent from the body And to be present with the Lord You see When we are absent from these bodies Down here We will be present with the Lord We will be at home There is no idea of soul sleep here You may be living in a very expensive home My friend I have news for you You are actually living in a flappy Old frail tent All of us are But one of these days We will have our glorified bodies, and then we will receive our inheritance. You can have your expensive house. You won't be in it for too long anyway. Our new body is for eternity, and we will be at home with the Lord forever. This is the prospect I had for the child of God. I'm rather looking forward to it. All things were created by him and for him. Colossians 1 verse 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, the fifth mark of Christ's Godhead, his deity, is that he is before all things. All fullness dwells in the pre-incarnate Christ. And all fullness dwells in the incarnate Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians 2 verse 9. So we are made complete in him. He was before all things. He is the pre-incarnate Christ. Another statement there of his mark is, by him all things consist. You see, he holds everything together. He maintains creation. He directs it. Consist is the word sanstemi, which means to actually hold together. He is the super glue of the universe. We have this same truth repeated to us in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is a wonderful person, isn't he? He is a glorious person. Colossians 1 verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminency. The seventh mark is that he is the head of the body, the church. Now I believe this is the key to the epistle to the Colossians, which is really a companion epistle to the epistle of Ephesians and Philippians In Ephesians We had the emphasis on the fact That the church is the body of Christ Down here in the world The emphasis was upon the body In Colossians now the emphasis Is upon the head of the body The person of the Lord Jesus Christ In Ephesians we read And he has put all things Under his feet and gave Him to be the head over all things To the church Ephesians 1 verse 22 And finally, in Philippians, we see the church with feet walking through the Roman roads. We see the experience of the church. We see the experience of the believer. So these are companion epistles, if you like. So he is the firstborn from the dead. Did you know that there is only one man who has been risen in a glorified body today? He is the first fruit of them that sleep. When a loved one who is in Christ dies and you put that body into the grave, you are just putting it into a motel, if you like. It is like putting it into a hotel for a few days because there is a bright morning coming. The body is put to sleep, but the individual has gone to be with the Lord. When Christ comes to take his church out of this world, then the body is going to be raised on the basis of his resurrection, it is sown in corruption, but it will be raised in incorruption, according to First Corinthians 15 verse 42. We shall be just as he is. First John chapter 3 verse 2 tells us, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The eighth mark of Christ's deity, of Christ's superiority, is that in all things he might have the preeminency. That in all things he might have the preeminency. You cannot think of anything more wonderful than this, my friend. The will of Christ must prevail throughout all of God's creation. That is God's intention. Even in spite of the rebellion of men down here on the earth. God says, yet I have set my king upon my mount, my holy hill of Zion. Psalm 2 verse 6. So God is moving today forward undivertingly, unhesitatingly, and uncompromisingly and toward one goal. That goal is to put Jesus on the throne of this world, which today is in rebellion against God. That is the objective of God, my friend. Colossians 1 verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. So that's the final mark. The ninth mark of his superiority. It pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. The fullness is the pleroma. That is one of the most important words in this epistle. Over in Philippians... It was the kenosis, the self-emptying. That is, he emphasized Christ emptied himself and became a servant. He emptied himself of the glory that he had with the Father. He didn't empty himself of his deity. He was God when he came to this earth. The pleroma, the fullness of God, dwells in him. When he was down here on the earth, the pleroma was at home in Jesus He was 100% God, not 99.44%, but 100%. That little baby that was lying on the bosom of Mary over 2,000 years ago seemed so helpless, but he could have spoken the universe out of existence. He is man of very man. He is God of very God. That's who he is. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs, so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, PO Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for, and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620 South Africa.